Hey, this is David Owen. And this is Marion Cowagowan. And this is You Show Me Yours, the podcast where a married couple talks about the movies and television that they loved before the first date. And this time I was made to watch Little Women. Yes, Little Women. And to be clear, we're talking about the 94 version, which is my personal favorite. Uh, we're talking about the Winona Ryder, Ryder version, um, as I've identified her before, the Gen X Pixie Princess, except this time she's in the 1860s instead of <laughs> the 90s. But it's okay. She's still great. Uh, and Christian Bale, Susan Sarandon, uh, Samantha Mathis, Kirsten Dunst. Uh, Everybody's in this movie. Yeah. Eric Stoltz, Gabriel Byrne. Yes, yes. Um, and I have to identify which one because there have been oodles of versions of this movie made um, and a lot of um, other properties that were, I contend, based on it. But we're talking about the 94 version. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like well hold on we'll get to that in a second um so dave what did you know about this about little women in general or this movie before we watched it because nothing nothing at all nothing nothing really nothing winona riders in the movie that's all i knew you didn't know that beth died no spoiler sorry you know what is this yeah i feel like if you're listening to this you know that but yeah you didn't know that at all no, I didn't know anything. I've never seen. I've never seen this. I've never read the book. I knew nothing about Little Women. Uh, okay, so this brings up a problem. And um, so there was a new version of Little Women released in 2019, and around that, there was some discussion of men are less, far less likely to go see this, men and boys, because it is quote a girl's story. Mm-hmm. Um. I, that is something that I appreciate about it. I like how the men in the story are kind of superfluous, which we will get more into later on. Um, But I don't, I don't like, and this is a theme I think that we've seen. um, I see it in parenting, right? Anything, the boy version or the male version is the default and the girl thing is separate, right? So women would go to a movie that was about, mostly all male cast um men won't go to a movie that is mostly all female um we we, you don't read little women in school the way we do huck finn um etc and i think the the whole issue of oh this is a female story so we're gonna put it over there it's not in the canon the way male stories are that's problematic i am far from the first person to notice this (laughs) Yes, And I am not even among the most eloquent to say this, um, but yeah, that you knew nothing about it. I am a little shocked. I mean, not I, really, but yeah, but I mean, kind of. So it, to, in my defense, when this movie came out in 1994, yeah. it looked boring. What? <laughs> so Okay. Well, having seen it, was it boring? Um, I mean, there's no explosion. There's right. Sure. To, to 1994 me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this sure. movie was boring. Sure. Like, am I able to engage with things on a, on a higher level? And even just a few years later was my appreciation for film grew. Would I have been able to engage with this on a different level? Yes. Yeah. But this movie came out right around the time of the crow. True. So you That's think true. about what I was watching <laughs> and what, what my expectations were for a movie at that time. This looked boring. Fair. It, I mean, fair point. Dances with Wolves looked boring. Well, okay. When it came okay. out, like you know, there are, like, 
I don't disagree with what you're saying, but given the time of frame for me, it wasn't that, ooh, it's a girl movie. Yeah. It was, it's wow, a, that looks boring. It wasn't, wasn't I mean, that it had girl cooties. It was right, just, like, yeah. Okay, it, fair, fair. And there are movies that look boring to me that that I'm sure are not. You know, yeah. like like if you show me a preview for uh, the, I, I don't know, some movie that isn't actually boring. Yeah. <laughs> but if they don't promote it quite right, and by bo- I don't mean uh, it doesn't have explosions. I mean, like mm-hmm. in 1994, I might have meant it don't have, doesn't have explosions. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't compel me. It didn't grab me. It, and for me, at least it, it wasn't that it was called little women or didn't have anything to do, mm-hmm. didn't have any explosions in it. It just, yeah. it just didn't compel me to, to watch it. Yeah. Oh dear. Well, that's true. I, yeah. You make a good point about, yeah. 15 year old boys not known yeah. for <laughs> their broad interests. Let, so let me watch this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so now what did you think? Do you still think it's boring? Um, it's not like (laughs) define boring. You You probably never would have watched this on your own. Uh, probably not. I enjoyed it. I thought it was well made and well acted and yeah, yeah, like it was, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it is, it's a drama. Yes. Like there is, I think there's, there's something inherently boring (laughs) about dramas, but like. Not not boring in a bad way. Yeah, like okay. yeah, it's it's it it's it, it does exactly what it what it should do, <laughs> which is make you feel intensely. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of the intense feelings, I should explain. So we watch a movie together, and then we go straight into recording. So um, at any given time, we are no more than like three hours removed from the movie. Um, I was in tears on and off for like the last half of the movie, which is par for the course. Like this is pretty much every time I watch this, there's tears. Yeah. Um, so just to warn you, if I start crying while talking about any of this stuff, that's why that does not mean you should not watch this, but be prepared. If you are in a a rotten mood, I don't, (laughs) unless you need to let off steam. I don't know. So yeah. Yeah. To quote the, uh, the, uh, ghost of Christmas past from Scrooge. (laughs) Niagara Falls. (laughs) I was holding it in. You, I was behind you and you couldn't, you could probably hear me sniffling. I was purposely not looking at you. I didn't didn't want to make you self-conscious. I I held it in though. I was, I'd sniffled, but like I could have gone full waterworks and sobbed and I I didn't. Please do. I held back. Live your, live, live your best life. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But so, um, yeah, if you are like Dave and you don't know anything about this movie. Here is the synopsis from IMDb. Louisa May Alcott's autobiographical account of her life with her three sisters in Concord, Massachusetts in the 1860s. With their father fighting in the American Civil War, sisters Joe, Meg, Amy, and Beth are at home with their mother, a very outspoken woman for her time. The story tells of how the sisters grow up, find love, and find their place in the world. Does that sound like what we watched? Yeah. Pretty yes. much? Yeah. 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 I mean, like like any one paragraph description of a well, movie, it yeah. falls very short. Sure. But yes, sure. that's a good summary. Well, I think it is similar to several other movies that we've watched. The description is kind of bland because it's not, it's more, I think, character driven than plot driven. Sure. Um, 
the plot is, you know, they grow up and then the, the romance thread through it kind of drives it as well. Um, Joe, Josephine is played by Winona Ryder and she's sort of the main character. She is the fictional version of the real life Louisa May Alcott. Um, and she is a, uh, she's a tomboy, I guess. Tomboyish, boisterous. Sure. Um, Buck's convention, um, is clumsy, you know, all these things. Um, and is a writer. And then in the end of this movie, the book that she writes is Little Women. I don't remember if in the book version that is how it ended up. But um, Christian Bale is uh, Teddy Theodore. Logan. Logan. Expert. Right. Lawrence, um, their next door neighbor. And he falls in love with her and she says, no, I can't be with you. And then he eventually falls in love with her sister, Amy, and marries her. Um, and Joe ends up married to, um, a professor played by Gabriel Byrne. Um, and they eventually, there are two more sequels to the book. Um, they found a school for like naughty little boys and I haven't read either of them. I'm serious. There's a lot I, wait, of, have you, have you not read the, the one about the school of naughty little boys? Cause it's about boys. Huh? <laughs> well, huh? so I, I believe I've read like little bits here and there and it mm. was very like preachy sure lots of you know now so and so you oughtn't be naughty you need to wash your hands you know um yeah i like little women almost in spite of itself because i've read a couple of other of alcott's books um there's the sequels to little women um and then there's two books um that are set around the same time um eight cousins and then a rose in bloom which are similar in that it has this undercurrent of freeing women from their trappings so to speak yeah um this uh girl who's been very petted and cosseted and protected goes to live with her uncle she's an orphan or something um and this is a big boisterous family and he's like you don't need to wear a corset you don't need to wear heels you need to you need fresh air and da, 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 and you know things like that. and that's kind of preachy too and you know it's like you read it and then after a while you're like i don't think i like this very much (laughs) i want to read the version of the book that that joe is writing in the movie before she writes little women yes that's like you know the dagger and the vampires and strychnine and all the daggers i want i want that book like i want to know did she like is that a flourish in the book that she included or before she wrote serious books was she actually writing like that well, kind of stuff because i want to read her writing that yeah well and i don't remember how true this is to the book sure um but this sort of thing this path where a, a fledgling writer writes lurid or overly romantic stories and then somebody wisely says write what you know and they go back and they write about their home life and it's yeah. wonderful not not an original the uh, plot line, yes, and we are going to see it again when, at some point, we watch um, Anne of Green Gables. Mm. That's there too, and I don't know. It's I sort of find it tedious to see writers portrayed in fiction because I don't know. Often, I feel like well, in Little Women, I think it makes sense, but I, I there are other movies that we're going to talk about where the character is a writer. And I'm like, why you have not shown yourself to be a good 
writer. I don't, I don't understand this. So I, my hackles yeah. get up a little bit when a character is a writer, but this is, this is different, but there are a lot of tropes in it mm-hmm. because the people who are writing the books and the screenplays are writers themselves. And so they, they yeah. write what they know and they put all that stuff in there. Um, but I did think this time I noticed at the beginning of the story, at the beginning of the movie, um, there's this so the sisters um have like a family newspaper that they put together and joe joe's contribution to it is lurid stories and you know various things and they're each expected to write something well beth doesn't know what to write and she turns in a recipe for squash i think it was (laughs) and she's like i don't know what to write and joe says the the thing to know about writing is don't write what you know and i was like ah (laughs) yes i see where this is going even though i already knew but you know it's yeah I find that hokey, but whatever. Well, it's, it's that, it's that idea that, um, nobody thinks their life is exciting. Yes. Even when it is, cause you're living it, yes. you don't think it's particularly exciting. So you're like, well, if I write about what I know, it's boring. boring. Yeah. But almost anybody, a slightly fictionalized version of almost anybody's life. Yeah. You know, makes for a good, a good story. If you, if you just know how to do it right. Well, and that's, yeah, I think everybody has a good story in them, even if it's based on their own life. You just have to figure out how are you how are you cropping this, right? Yeah. Like some people want to tell the whole their whole life story. No, 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 no. Like these two years, that was interesting. Or yeah. this this part of your life when viewed through this lens or whatever. Um but uh but yeah, I I had never noticed that line before. You you, you never write what you know, and then she comes around at the end. That was, <laughs> yeah. That's called an arc. That's right. We writers call right. it an, an arc, Marion. Right. We call that. I don't know if you know that. We call that foresha- foreshadowing. I don't. Yeah. For something. Yeah. Um, so Joe is the main character of the story, but the the sisterhood together, the the four sisters as kind of a unit and the the bonds between them are up there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of four female characters who are, you know, again, together and work as a unit and everything. And that, you see that in fiction all the time. Um, Golden Girls, Sex and City. Um, if there was one other one that I, I forgot, now I forgot what it was. Um, there is a TV show that I contend was based on this. Right. Um, Sisters. Did you ever watch Sisters? It was in the 90s. Sister, sister, the one with the twins? No, no. Sister, sister. Sisters, sisters, no. plural. It was no. on NBC. It was drama. It had George Clooney and Paul Rudd before they were in their more famous properties. Yeah. So the, the I only, knew them before. The only reason that I know the name of that show is because I've heard that trivia that that was kind of. Oh, their, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, those also were four sisters. Um, mm-hmm. The eldest the Meg analog was a little bit concerned with propriety and society and money and status. The second one, the Joe analog was rebellious. Mm -hmm. The third one, the Beth analog was kind of quiet and home focused. And the fourth one, the Amy analog was, I don't know, kind of a spoiled brat. And to sweeten the pot, the, the Joe sisters, the, the Joe sister got divorced from her husband and her husband married the youngest sister. Mm, um, yes. And their father had died. And so it was just all about that, you know, yeah. and no one, I guess, admits to having watched this show. So no one will agree with me that that's based <laughs> on that, but I totally, it's absolutely there. Oh yeah. So. But that, that archetype, I mean, uh, facts of life. 
Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, that, that's are, that, yeah. It's just like, Hey, four girls and they're all yeah. four, four young women. They're all uh, a particular, they've all got it. And there's literally a Joe in that one. Um, yeah. and she's a tomboy. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, yeah, there's four sisters. Yada, yada, yeah. yada. Well, and had there been a Buzzfeed in 1868 or whenever it was, there would have been a quiz. Which March sister are you? Oh yeah. I, I should confess, I aspire to being a Joe. Mm-hmm. I think I am more of a Meg. Probably. Yeah. Probably. I would like to be, I would like to be a Joe. When it comes to the <laughs> other sisters, I, or the other, you know, female quartets, I'm definitely a Miranda. The other ones, I don't know. I don't know. BuzzFeed yeah. needs to come out with a quiz for the, for the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. Get on that BuzzFeed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. BuzzFeed editors who listen to our podcast. And then it can turn into which quartet are you? Yeah. Which, this, yeah. Is we- your squad the little women <laughs> or the facts of life girls or the. Or are you sisters? And also. Yeah. And also Celia Ward plays the Joe version in that one. And like, she's one of my girl crushes. She's beautiful and glamorous. Um, and she was a Chi Omega just like me. So we're practically BFFs. I mean, basically. Right? You're basically sisters. Right? We are sisters. I mean, yeah. We are. Technically. Technically. Chi Omega is for a lifetime. It's apparently. Sisterhood never stops. <laughs> That's what I'm told. TM. TM. <laughs> Anyway, um, but yeah, but in addition to, so in addition to, uh, I contend inspiring sisters, there have been umpteen versions of little women. Um, there was a version, I think one in the thirties and one in the forties, or maybe they were both anyway, I don't know. One of them, uh, Catherine Hepburn played Joe and the other June Allison played Joe. Um, I think there was one in the seventies where Susan Day of the Partridge family (laughs) played Joe. All right. (laughs) Sure. Um, there was one most recently that I think was on Masterpiece Theater where um, Maya Hawk, who was in Stranger Things, I think was Joe. And then uh, Christmas of 2019, the most recent one came out with um, Sear Sharonin as Joe and a bunch of people that you, Dave, don't know. But um, Emma, Emma Watson was Meg. I know that person. I know you do. That's I why I'm. That name. That's why I'm telling you her name. I'm not going to bother with the other ones because you'd be like, "Who? Yeah, who is that? Billy Zane? Like, that's <laughs> that's not a me thing. That's a you thing. Billy I Zane know. is a you thing. I was turning it around. We're going to explain the Billy Billy Zane joke at some point. Um, yeah, soon. The so the interesting thing about if you look at Louisa May Alcott's actual life and. Little Women. She, in fact, did not get married and have children. Mm. And spoiler for the 2019 film, there is they they flip the storytelling around so that at the end, there's some question of did Joe actually end up with a professor and write her book? Did she actually have both or did she have to choose one or the other? Um, which I thought was an interesting take on it. I, it kind of goes back to this question that people like to ask about, can women really have it all? And I think, well, nobody can have it all. Right. If a woman wants to have some semblance of a career and some semblance of a family, there's part of it that you can't have, but you can have bits and pieces of it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't especially like that the 2019 version set it up that you could do one or the other. Yeah. Um, And not both. Interesting. But... In none of the versions of Little Women do we see five years after when, you know, the baby's crying. Well, I have to finish the draft. You know, I, I don't, yeah. I don't know. But 
anyway, that's just an interesting twist in the new the new version. Um, <sighs> what do you got? You looking at the list? I am. I am. Um, okay, let's talk about each of the sisters. All right. Okay. So, yeah. So Joe is the most obvious. Um, I relate to Joe so much. Like I said, I aspire to be, to be Joe, but yeah. she's she's a tomboy. She feels like she's awkward. She calls herself ugly. She mm-hmm. feels like she doesn't fit in. She you know just has these dreams and and um. I really, I really relate to that, and I think at the time the idea of a woman not fitting into the mold of what a woman quote should be, there was even less tolerance for that then. So the so the fact that Alcott creates this character who isn't prim and proper, and you know the angel of the hearth was this archetype of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that gives a lot of readers permission to be that person. Um, in the 2019 movie, there's a lo- there's a it's more explicit that the mother was a lot like Joe when she was younger, and she kind of smoothed out her rough edges and kind of harnessed her passions and put them into some kind of work. Yeah, and I think the message is like you can do that too, which I don't mind necessarily. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, it's there's. Yeah, the, the reality is that uh, reality, the society wasn't ready for that yet, or mm-hmm. you know that's what that like that sort of thing happens. You know, like compromises are made because it's just it's it's sometimes it becomes about your own personal happiness versus like changing the world. Yeah, and sometimes you're just like, no, I'm not ready to to be the one that pushes that boundary just yet. Well, and also going back to you know you can't. If you can't have it all, if you want if you want to do this career thing and this family thing, then you can't be the one who changes the entire world. Yeah. Like I think you can have some career in some family, but if you want to change the world, it's hard to have a family at the same time. You yeah. Well, kind of have to balance. And it's it's kind of like um, it's kind of like a Star Wars thing, right? Like, you know, some you 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 think. Anakin is the savior, but his mm-hmm. destiny is to give birth to Luke, who you think is, yeah. you know, it's the father Luke, who you think is the savior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's like that. Like sometimes your job is You're the conduit, to, yeah, to, the, to, yeah. to, to smooth out enough of the road mm-hmm. so that the next generation can smooth out the rest of it, vice versa. Yeah. So like maybe there's, maybe she came to that realization at some point in her life mm-hmm. yeah. or yeah you 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 lay the groundwork that, so that somebody else can do something or you know you yeah. you yeah. Ra- you raise the child who will do something that's that's my goal right now <laughs> like, i'm not gonna do anything special but it's all it's all on it's all on our kid yeah no because that's healthy right yeah, no no pressure that's that's totally as far as i can tell that's normal and how it's supposed to be yes right? yeah that's 100%. never warped anybody but also shout out to mr march <laughs> right like <laughs> I'm not not to be all, uh, you know, men's rights. Yeah, on please don't here. be all men's rights. No, no, no. Women, totally. men but, are superfluous here. But at that time, like, uh, he he is a, a bit of an anomaly himself. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, being the the patriarch of a household full of women, and n- not telling them all that you know, not ruling with an iron fist, and letting obviously letting his wife. Yeah. Do all of, uh, uh, you know, he knew what he was getting into and, well, and, you know, so I, I think I just, I mean, like that's, that's not his, it's not his story. 
It's not. Obviously, but you know, it's kind of like it's it's just sort of like sometimes it's it's usually in a story like this the 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 man changing the world or or doing yeah. something big and the wife in the background not given enough due. You know, so it's only fitting yeah. that it's flipped the other way. But, you know, yeah, like at that at that time, that would have been a big it would have been a big deal for him. And he would have he would have also almost certainly dealt with a lot of like social stigma and stuff. Well, like, I think you don't uh, control your wife or your daughter. I, I think they did. I oh, think I'm they sure, did. I'm sure. Well, the other thing is, you know, the the you would also see the male as the antagonist holding back the yeah. woman from doing something. Yeah. And that's and that's yeah, not they it. They don't go that direction. Well, I think part of that was um, I'm fuzzy on my. American history slash literature. I um, she mentions in passing uh, transcendentalism, which was a movement that they were a part yeah. of. That I think was, and it was somehow associated with uh, the Quakers. I don't know if the Alcotts were Quaker. The marches don't appear to be of any faith, really. Yeah. I would th- I think today, if they had to choose a faith, they'd be Unitarian Universalist. Sure. <laughs> They're like that level of yeah. you know, sort of vaguely Bohemian. Um, but I. Th- I think Quaker Quakerism for sure, and I think transcendentalism were focused on equality and the importance of education. Um, and that's what there's a throwaway line. Um, your father had to close his school because he admitted um a black child. They say a yeah. little dark girl, which yeah. I guess was the polite way to talk about it then. Um Yeah, and even even the daughters, you know, yeah, the have that yeah. carry that view forward and you yeah. know like they're they're concerned about where the silk comes you know how it's made yeah uh even if it doesn't come from the south well it still comes from yeah because you know, this, this there's kind of child labor in the mills yeah. so and you know, they, yeah. they seem to be extremely progressive uh yeah. some of their viewpoints are progressive even for our time right now yes you know caring about who who made your that your is a coat. yeah we we keep forgetting about <laughs> yeah it's not U.S. children so why do we care well mm. um and Joe has an argument. When she, so after she says to Lori, I can't marry you, she um, goes and stays with a friend of her mother's in New York. Um, the The woman, I guess, is widowed and runs a boarding house and uh, Joe is there to tutor the, the daughters. Um, and she at one point is sitting in on a conversation with the male boarders and they're talking about the question of should women have the right to vote? And I think should former slaves yeah, have the right to vote too? It's all, you know, yeah. Well, and they they mention an argument that was pretty common um, at the at the time from then, you know, like the 1850 on up to when women did get the vote in 1920, that women are a force for moral good, and that's why they deserve the vote. And her argument is that has nothing to do with it. We are citizens, right? And that's right. why we deserve the vote. Which, and I think of that whenever, you know, you see people saying, oh, there should be more female heads of state because then there wouldn't be any wars. And I'm like, no, women can be just as bloodthirsty and egotistical and mistake prone as men. I don't, I don't. The problem is they haven't had the same opportunities to to reveal that aspect. Right, right. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, like, yes, I think more diversity in any function is better for everybody yes. but let's not pretend that women are saints and would never go to war because yeah margaret thatcher went to war yeah hillary clinton would have gone to war like yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, so anyway i like that argument of of joe's i think yeah, it's still it absolutely. still holds holds truth about some things today oh yeah i mean the 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 
the truth of it is, yeah, you, you, they should vote because it's a human mm-hmm. right in our society. Yeah. Uh, same with skin color or, yeah. or, or sex. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. And I think she, you know, she makes that point in the mm-hmm. movie, which I think is, um, yeah, it, it kind of creates that question of, right. If women should vote because they're virtuous, are we letting men vote because they're not? Right. You know, like, are men allowed to vote because they're monsters and therefore yeah. because they're opposite? Is there a virtue they have no virtue? that I didn't know about? Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, but yeah, like the, the, the long and short of it is everybody should be allowed to participate in the government. Yeah. And as few hindrances should be placed on that as possible. Yeah. Well, and if you take that further, people should be allowed to vote even if they're uneducated or yeah. ill-informed mm-hmm. or any of these things. Like, the, and yeah, sometimes- I roll my eyes so much every time, every election season, no matter what election it is, there's always somebody on the news who's, oh, well, I don't like so-and-so because I don't like the typeface in her campaign ads. And I'm like, right. seriously, you, but you know, if I start putting limits on who's qualified to vote, then other people will too. And then we, yeah. Back but we seriously started, though, so. I mean, right. As we sit here right now, you have to admit that if a candidate came up who was progressive and hit all the, checked all the boxes for you. And was absolutely right up your alley, and it was a woman, and you know, pick whatever and other used comic sans. and use comic sans <laughs> on all of their, <laughs> all of their signage, and had like, you know, <laughs> the like your your and their their oh mix up oh like no. this person now that okay now that poor grammar yes uh, I would because that is. Or I would write to them, hi, you're great, but <laughs> you, you need a copy editor. No, I, no, I'm not going to volunteer. You can pay me for that. If you're at that level and you don't know your and your, you need to be writing me a check. They're just, they're literally making all of their banners on, they have an old Apple with print shop on it <laughs> and a, a dot matrix printer takes, with continuous it paper. It takes five hours to make the poster yeah. on the connected paper. Like, Look, I've only, <laughs> we've only got three fonts. We've... <laughs> We've got Impact, we've got Comic Sans, and we've got Times New Roman. Yes, and all of the all of the posters have birthday balloons on the end because right. we have limited graphics. That's so. all we we got. We got birthday balloons, and we've got uh, <laughs> we've got Halloween tombstones, and that's all we got to pick from. I'm a little too delighted with this concept. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, but. I would be interested now to go back and read to read Little Women, the original, and learn a little more about the transcendentalists and see how much of what Joe and her sisters talk about in the film is true to the ideas of the time. Yeah. Um I there's a this is going off the subject, but there's a passage in one of the Little House on the Prairie books where Laura is a Laura is about to get married. And she says to her new uh, soon to be husband, I won't say that I'm going to obey you in the vows. Mm-hmm. And her husband, he's like, what are you, are you for women's rights? What is, what is she says? No, I don't want to vote. I'm just not going to say that I'm going to obey you. Cause I can't <laughs> right. do that. And it's sort of the throwaway thing. And I always stuck on that. And it, it's f- funny to think about. You could be smart, independent, headstrong, whatever and still not care about voting yeah this was in 1870 i guess 80 um so to have the marches be automatically oh yes women should vote is was that true to what they felt at the time i don't know so i i feel like i need to go back and read the book and see what um what it really said um 
What do you think about, should she have chosen Lori or Friedrich? Lori is Christian Bale. Friedrich is Gabriel Byrne. Mm. I mean, so uh, let's presume a life with Lori would have been like he, when he proposes, he tells her, you don't have to write or you can write if you want. Like, mm-hmm. you know, basically he was just like, I want to marry my best friend and mm-hmm. do best friend shit with him. <laughs> and you, I'm, I'm rich and from money. So you do whatever you want. You live the life you want. Yeah. And, I like his description of we could bash around Europe. Yeah. Like they would bash. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I think there's a version of her where she marries him and she continues to write this sort of, uh, lowbrow, uh, news, you know, newspaper fodder. You know, she says at one point that the stuff she writes is what they, what they'll pet, what they'll mm-hmm. buy. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think there's a version of her where she, uh, no longer needing to make the money that she's getting these mm. $5 a pops, you know, that's what she says to, uh, uh, Friedrich is like, this is going to buy my sister a new coat and yeah. she's going to love it when he's like, you know, kind of sneering at her yeah. lowbrow writing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Given the ability to explore that on her own, mm. she would have potentially found the same voice that she eventually found yeah. um, on her own. Yeah. Potentially, you know, That's maybe true. I given, never thought about you know, that. given her yeah. own devices. Like I don't think uh, he, in the movie, he's not, per, he's not positioned as, as instrumental to that as, Maybe he should be or is supposed to be because um, basically he just critiques her work a couple of times, say, say implying that it's a little below his standards or yeah. or her abilities. Like, you know, some people like Stephen King is pretty happy. Like Dean Koontz is pretty happy. Yeah. Nora Roberts and all of the uh, pseudonyms for or all the uh, ghostwriters for for, uh, for, VC, for Andrews. VC Andrews are I, probably all pretty satisfied, yeah. you know, with what they're doing. Like every writer doesn't have to be great. Yeah. Like, somebody's got to be writing the middle of the road stuff. I think. Yeah, you're right. I, I think it's it's yeah, it's easy to describe the movie as he inspires her. Friedrich inspires her to write this. To write Little Women. Yeah. But now that I look back on it, I think she was writing it really to keep Beth alive. Right. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And I think she, she would have gotten to that place if, if viewing that as the primary motivation. She would have gotten to that place just as easily without him. Yeah. That's um, true. And also like it, her not marrying Lori has a negative effect on his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause he spirals out of control for a few years. Well, or was he just pouting? Cause he couldn't have what he wanted. Well, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, one way or the other, but you know, yeah. he spirals out of control for a few years. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, we we're it's, it's a difficult question to answer because without reading the other books, we are not shown yeah. what her life with, with the other guy is like. Yeah. So like, yeah, like in, uh, on a certain level, that's the dream. Like marry your best friend who's rich and you have no more problems, fun stuff together. Uh, you know. So, well, can I just say, like, strictly on a looks and sex appeal basis, you cannot sure. go wrong. Sure, sure. Both of them are snacks. Sure, sure. And I just, the way that Lori proposes to her, he's got that breathless, like, I have loved you ever since I clapped eyes on you. Like, oh, my yeah. heart. Oh, oh. Well, and yeah. they're, they're just like... From the moment that they meet, they're mm-hmm. just... They're kindred spirits. Yeah, like, absolutely. And, like, that yeah. that's what you 
what you want. Like, yeah. I mean, is Friedrich going to give her a different thing? I mean, kind of she gets her cake and gets to eat it too. Like yeah. she still gets to be friends with her best bud yeah. who is now married to her other sister and gets her intellectual husband who's yeah. going to challenge her and they're going to do great things with their school or whatever. Yeah. Well, she, she adjusts to the, so Lori comes home from Europe yeah, and is like, hi, guess what? I married Amy. And Joe had no idea that this was happening. Yeah. I would need to take a minute to get back on track and she appears to be like oh nope it's fine yeah yeah well i mean like there isn't there are plenty of other movies where this like this is the main like the central movement of the plot when the person that you rejected ends up marrying someone and you know then you're 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 like oh wait i wanted them right you realize that that's enough to make you realize the mistake you made yeah Yeah, but yeah i think for her it, it didn't really well there's a uh Lori is in his office and he gets a letter from Joe that says Beth has died. Right. Amy can't come home. And he doesn't read the whole letter. He just puts it down and dashes off to go to Amy. And then the camera pans in on the rest of the letter and it says, Come home to me. Yeah, yeah. Which I take as maybe I'm rethinking this. I'm lonely and let's try. But it's never really explored. I think that's explored a little bit maybe. in the 2019 movie. But um, maybe regardless, uh, if the last time I saw somebody, he was pledging his devotion to me, and now he's married to my sister. I need a minute. Sure, but, sure. More than more than more than a, the actual yes. minute that she takes. Yes. Um, oddly, so I mentioned uh, similarities between this and Anne of Green Gables. This idea of a proposal that sort of comes out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and you know. I love you. I want to be with you. No, we can't be together. We'd fight all the time. Okay, then I hate you. You're going to fall in love and and I hope it's, you know, that's an Anna Green Gables too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, what was in the water in the 1860s, 70s? Because there was a, a, lot of, a lot of women turning down proposals. From, uh, yeah. 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 From very, very, very attractive men. <clears throat> we'll talk about Anna Green Gables later. Um, <laughs> at another date, yes. give me, give me some time to recover. Give Red. yourself some time. Is Anna Green Gables a weepy yes. thing? To, okay. Give yes. yourself. There's a lot of, yeah, I got to clean out the tear ducts now. Yeah. Give yourself a few, a um, month or two. Yeah. So, okay. So we're talking about, uh, about Lori. Okay. Amy. Um, I don't understand why all of a sudden they're in love. I think part of it is that it's too, so Kirsten Dunst plays Amy in the first half of the movie at age mm. like 12 and then some undetermined amount of time has passed yeah four years we know for sure right because it says that then some other amount of time yeah um and i and then samantha mathis is amy for the last half of the movie and i think that's part of it because i mean even though you know it's the same character it's a different actress and so you don't the relationship doesn't really gel for you because you're seeing this new person, but sure. Uh, whatever. I hand wave it. It's, it's, it's fine. Um, the Lori and Amy relationship always leaves me a little bit cold. Yeah. I mean, it is a little bit weird because they're, you know, when he sort of sees her for the first time in France or wherever they are, where she's, she's gone off to, uh, to Europe to learn to paint mm-hmm. with Auntie March, mm-hmm. who is, who is, who is the money and the family, the, best character she's well and in the in the new i'm sorry i keep bringing up the new version but um 
you need to know these things. In the 2019 version, she's played by Meryl Streep. Oh, nice. Which is, yeah. you know that oh, that's yeah. going to be a good... They invested in that character. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, have, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and he th- there's there's an exchange between them, and basically he's he, he kind of lets slip that he's like... He thinks he's destined to be a part of the March family. Yeah. And she's like, I don't want you to marry me just to for my family. Yeah. You know, to marry, to be a part of my family. And then he like... They part ways, and I guess he takes some time to soul search or whatever. And yeah, you know, if it, try, were, yeah. if it were really a movie about him, we'd have a montage yeah. of him, you know, working late at the office. And, right. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah, he he goes to get himself back on track so yes. that he can, you know, be the provider or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that relationship is a little bit weird, and I don't. I I feel like there is more to explore there of of yeah why he why he married her like how that whole thing went, and then also was he really just trying to get into that family? Because yeah. he, the way like his, I, I like the way he fits into the family mm-hmm. in the, in the early stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's just like the kid next door mm-hmm. and it is, um, acts funny and silly with them and mm-hmm. plays all their, their little games that they play. And in a way that he can't do with his grandfather or his tutor. Right. And he's an only, he's an only child. His both, we, her, we never see his parents. I think his mother died. We don't know where his father is. Yeah. Um, his grandfather is his father's father. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so he has nobody to be a kid with. Yeah. And he's, he's like 15, he's, 16. Yeah, and he's sort of like a, adapted or adopted himself into this family yeah. for these like these purposes, and uh, probably felt like he sh- you know felt like a part of that family, and mm-hmm. at some point is like, how do I yeah how actually do I, become a part of this how do family? I, solidify well, I guess this? I, could, I marry one of these yeah one of these women. Um, yeah, yeah. So it, it, that's I feel like there's another yeah. I think and that's probably more explored in the sequels. Um, uh, yeah, probably. Hope the, so. One of the sequels is called Little Men and the other is called Joe's Boys. And I think it's largely focused on their school, but the other families are there too. Because I know that there's a little bit about um, Amy and Lori have a daughter who they name Beth. And there's other, there's more plot about them. So maybe, maybe, yeah, I, should, I, mean, maybe yeah. I should read the other ones despite all the preachiness. There you go. And report back. Get through it. Yeah. Pick it for your book club. Do it. Do it oh. Make other people suffer through it. I don't you. think that, no, I don't think they would do that for me. Do it. <laughs> they don't have a choice. Yeah. This book club is not a democracy. It's cheer cheer. I can't talk. It's, it's a cheerocracy. It's a dictatorship. Right, right, right. There we go. There and we go. he who picks the book has the power. Right. She right. who picks the book. Sorry. Right. Um. Yeah. Are okay. we still talking about the characters? What yes. are we doing? Yes. So. Let's work through it. Amy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I. Amy, I warm to the least. I feel like she's just kind of she's a typical youngest child. She's petted and yeah, indulged, yeah. Oh, and, and like I, there's nothing more that I enjoy in a movie because she does this in a couple of movies than Kirsten Dunst doing her like young, <laughs> kind of smart mouthy. Yeah, because she's this way in Interview with a Vampire. Yes, yes, and uh, and in this, yeah, just like she has the best lines. The one about the hair. Oh God, when that's, Joe yeah. sells her hair. Oh. Like, your best feature yeah or whatever oh, you're your one beauty your one beauty like, which yeah, yeah it's winona Ryder. Just come like, on but yeah yeah it's, it's 1994 winona Ryder. Like. yeah yeah um luminous she's yeah perfect yeah yeah but yeah just she has the great lines and she's yeah. she has all these like little 
character traits. Like she yes. thinks her nose is too big. She, she wears a clothespin on yes. it. Oh, that's great. All the time. Yeah. Like, yeah, I like, I like, uh, I don't know what I think about the character. I just know that I like the performance that's yes. happening. I, yes. Yeah. And she's like, she's, uh, petty and like burns Joe's, uh, manuscript in the fire. <laughs> That is kind of a litmus test for, can I be friends with you? If I meet a woman my age or, you know, older, younger, because little women is timeless. Yeah. Would you have forgiven Amy for burning the manuscript? And if somebody <laughs> says, oh, sure. I'm sorry. We can't be friends. If they say, oh, my God, I would have let that bitch drown in the river. Right, I'm yeah. like, we are besties. It's, Let's go. Like, I just, Would you have saved her? when? She, yeah. Basically gets a, oh. a get out of jail free card by falling through the ice. I might have saved her, but I would still be mad. Right. Yeah. And can I, so Susan Sarandon is Marmy, like this saint of motherhood and says, oh, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And I'm like, bitch, <laughs> you know how long it took me to write that? I will be mad for as long as I want to. Yeah. Thank you. I don't like that advice in general. Yeah. Yeah. Like people who say that only get in fights at 8 a.m. Right. Sometimes you get mad at nine o'clock at night and I yeah. need to stew about it for yeah, a while. Need some, need some time. Yeah. Yes. But, I am doing some great finger pointing finger, finger here. Wagging. You all can't see it, but. But yeah, it's, that's, it's way, oh, that was way over the line. Yes. Yeah. Way over the line. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Samantha Mathis, like she's just. It's a little bland as a dog. Yeah, like, like she's had the rough edges smoothed off her, but too much, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it just, it's, you you have so little time with her. Yes. Like you, the way that they, they, without explicitly explaining it, the way that they tell you that she is also supposed to be Amy is first of all, Amy's the only one with blonde hair. Yeah. And she has these curls. And in the first scene that Samantha, Samantha yeah. Mathis is playing Amy in, they're like linger on her and you can yeah. see these blonde curls. And, and then it, I it's don't like, think we see the curls ever again. It's like they stay on her long enough. Yeah. I feel like they did like test screenings right. where they were like, uh -huh. they had a camera that was actually on the audience and like watching everybody. Do you get it? Do you get and then it? When they could see the, like the subtle change of their facial expression of like, Oh, oh like, like, okay. And it took, uh, yeah. it took uh number seven. Yeah. 45 seconds. So we got a, <laughs> 46 seconds is how long we linger on her. <laughs> Because the slowest person in our screening has got it within, yeah, something <laughs> like funny. that. Like they're just like, you know, here we go. Like this is yeah. the, get get you get it, you get it, you get. Okay, now we all we're all on the same page. So interestingly, so this was the first film version of Little Women that I saw. Mm -hmm. um, this is the only one where they use a different actress for young Amy and older Amy. Okay. Um, all the other ones, same four actresses all the way through. Sure. Yeah. And so I, you know, this was my expectation. There's going to be two Amy's, even though Beth is only a year or two older than Amy. So to go from, you know, young teen to young woman, it's roughly the same thing. So you would think different actresses for that. But I guess Beth dies too soon to really get a second actress. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but a lot of people commented that in the 2019 version, um, Florence Pugh, I think that's how you say it from Midsummer was yeah. Amy and she has this, this sort of deep voice for a woman anyway. Yeah. So seeing her playing a 12 year old was a little odd. And then you, then she's an adult and they're like, it's awkward, but this is all people of my generation who saw the, the 94 version where there's two. So it's right. Yeah. I don't know how you do that, but yeah, I mean, I think there's a way to do it, um, but it needs to be, it takes the right person 
because yeah. that's not enough. It's almost not enough of a time jump. Because we're thinking like maybe six years. Well, that's the confusing thing. I was looking up like how old are they all supposed to be at the beginning and then at the end. Yeah. And about Beth, they said this is based on the book that she was 23 when she died and she's 13 at the start. Sure. So that's 10 years. But then here we're talking about a four year jump. And there's some on either side, right? Yeah, so, yeah. It's a it's a four it's, year yeah. It's a four year jump from one actress to the other for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's weird. It's it's. I think it's a as a filmmaking challenge. I wonder. Uh, I yeah. wonder how how you how you go about addressing that because yeah, four years is not. They did throughout the whole rest of the movie. They didn't do anything else to age anybody else. They, no. Like. Uh, Christian Bale had different facial hair yeah. a couple times, but they didn't really do, they, they aged no one else. Everybody else enough. looks about the like, Yeah. You could just easily make all of the characters a little bit older yeah, and then eliminate the need. Like if she's 14 instead of 12, you can, you yeah. can cast an actress that can pass for when you have 30 year olds playing high school students, like you can cast right. a 20 something year old actress who can pass for, if I can buy Andrea Zuckerman as being 18. 16. We can, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, and apparently um, they did consider, I think they considered Reese Witherspoon to play Amy the sure. whole time because yeah. she's somewhere in the middle between those two. And I, I don't know why they 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 didn't do well, that. Well, and now you could just do some digital trickery, you know, like you yeah. could you could you could shoot them in such a way that they're going to appear smaller when they're younger. Yeah. Um, you can even just do some straight up CGI de-aging stuff. Well, I think there's a lot you can do with costuming too. Oh, totally. And I mean, and hair. Um, although I think to illustrate the marches being a little bit out of the mainstream, they wear their hair down mm. a lot more than proper women of the time would have. But mm. I, you know, you can say hair down is the girl, hair up is the young woman. Yeah. I, if I if a know. if a large part of the um, hobbits and human scenes in <laughs> Lord of the Rings were all accomplished in camera without yeah. special effects. You could we have could, made could, yeah. you could have made a, well, an adult size actress appear appear twelve well, for for you know forty minutes. Anyway, I don't know. Well, but then we wouldn't have Kirsten Dunst, and oh, yeah, I, no, I do like, I do enjoy her. Performance. I would rather you figure out a way to make Kirsten Dunst seem <laughs> eighteen yes. th at at twelve than yeah. the vice versa. Like, yeah, that's true. All the way because yeah, the all of the the thing is, I get that that character is supposed to age, but one thousand percent of the joy of that character just evaporated the moment yes. that actress shift changes. And oh, I, she's so bland. And if, if you give me that, if you show me some of that, that's one thing. Yeah. But when it, you go from this, like the really like the comic relief yeah. of the first half of the movie, and then she's just serious and she's going to be a painter she's and like she's not going to, yeah, she's not going to marry a, a pauper and all this, like, you know, like she, yeah. the the turn in, in that character, mm -hmm. and it's another you know show don't tell. Like they don't show or really tell. It's just hey, this change happened. I, we don't know what uh, killed all of her joy, but something did, and now she's yeah this yeah. Well, yeah, nobody's perfect, but yeah, yeah. I think yeah, Amy had her rough edges sanded off a little too much there. Oh yeah, yeah. So. Um, okay, let's talk about Beth, who Beth doesn't, dies. doesn't have any rough edges ever. Yeah, Beth is a saint and then she dies. Yeah. I Okay, so when I was watching 
the 2019 version, I realized... Did we watch the 2019 version? No. Because I feel like you've talked about it a, more than... A lot. No, I saw it with my mom. That was the last time oh. I saw my mom in person. Oh, well, that's very nice. Yeah, no. Miss my mom. Yeah. Anyway. Do you want a bottle of wine? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. Okay. Because I, I would cry some more. Um, I... I was like, why is she playing with dolls the whole time? And I'm kind of like, she's, she's infantilized. Oh yeah. Yeah. And she's very, you know, like, I guess cripplingly shy and just sort of a Mm -hmm. homebody anyway. And that I get, but like a 14, 15 year old should not say as Beth does early in the movie, Evangeline, my doll and I will make you some tea. Yeah. No, that's like, a four-year-old says that maybe an eight-year-old but not a 15-year-old so i'm and i probably beth is based on a real life alcott sister and i am sorry to the alcott sister that i whose name i am besmirching yeah but like grow up beth (laughs) or don't because you'll yeah well also i think it's telling that like she basically says that like from a young age she had called it that she wasn't going to be the one that had adventures yeah that she just wanted to be you know she was always sort of happy with what she had predicted would be her lot in life, which is just stay home and be, you know, be that sister. And that part's fine. Um, it's just the, the, so I wonder if Beth were a real person, I would be like, is there, she on something, something, she's not neurotypical. Something is, you know, and I'm reading way too much into that. And Beth is very sweet and it's her storyline that makes me cry. Yeah. This ice, I teared up when, um, Mr. Lawrence has a piano at his house mm-hmm. and he learns that Beth plays and he brings it over for her. Yeah. And he says, I had a little girl who played it and she died and now I'm giving it to you. And I just, Oh God. And the 2019 version play, does more of that. He, she invites her over to his house Yeah, and says, you have some privacy and play this. I'm going to go. But he actually sits on stairs and listens to her hmm. and has a tearful little moment. And Chris Columbus just wrecks me in that. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so that, and that's when the tears started this time is when she gets her piano and he talks about his dead daughter. Mm-hmm. And then when Beth dies, she, you know, she's, everyone leaves me alone, but this time I'm going off on the adventures and I just, uh, 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 and I was yeah. mm-hmm. sobbing behind you. I just, oh yeah. And it's Claire Danes sells it. Oh yeah, she's yeah, totally. got she's got this way of like her chin kind of throbs, mm-hmm. um, and you can tell that the character is meant to be holding back tears or is very upset and it's very affecting. And so, yeah, I don't know if I'd like Beth in real life, but her death right. makes me cry. <laughs> yes, Beth. Yeah, yeah, and I, I I like some of the symbolism in that uh, see in her death scene, um, where the windows open. Yeah. You know, because it was always a thing like you leave the window open so yeah. the soul can can get yeah. out. You know, that's that's why houses that was, are haunted. That was a very quick death, in. though. Like she's just sitting sure. there talking and then boom, 30 seconds later, she's and I was like, that is that I, I don't I don't know. But OK, yeah, that's, yeah. it's drama. I mean, you so. know, yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, all the, all the trees and window blew outside, you know, she walked yeah. away and then turned back around. And, you yeah. know, yeah, like, I like the I like that. I like uh, I like the way a lot of that was shot and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was very good, very affecting. Yeah, yeah. After, presumably after Beth's funeral, because everyone is in black. Um, so they, Amy, at this point is in Europe with Aunt March, and um, the Marches get a letter saying 
Aunt March can't travel, therefore Amy can't travel. Yeah. And Joe says, will we never all be together uh, together again? Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, okay, well, so no, because you just... <laughs> right. Like, one, of, one of them died. But, and that is kind of heartbreaking, the idea that, like, your family is never going to be the mm-hmm. same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it I, is. It sucks, but it's also, the, like, the... the unfortunate and uh soul-crushing reality of life you know well, like it really so the thing so beth early in the movie gets scarlet fever mm-hmm. um and then that weakens her heart and then i guess eventually her heart just gives out and that's what she eventually dies of um scarlet fever is what happens when you get strep throat and don't take antibiotics mm. eventually turns into i think i've also heard rheumatic fever but so you can you can cure it with antibiotics. So thank you, Mister Whoever it was who created penicillin, because nobody dies. Well, yeah. some people don't die. People who get well, yeah. s- stuff like that is all but eliminated in the yes. in the modern uh, world. Yes, I was looking up scarlet fever, and it says very rare in the U.S. Like very rare yeah. when you have antibiotics. Yes, um, but yeah, so it's a bacterial infection. But then they say, oh, Meg and Joe, you had scarlet fever when you were babies, so you're fine. That's not how bacterial infections work. But again, they. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's nobody asked for my for my medical review of this. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so, yeah, Beth. Yeah, Beth is a saint, really. Yes. Yeah. Well, she gets scarlet fever because she goes to yeah. bring uh, like a single potato that they can spare to the German immigrants who live in uh, a shack in the woods. That was that had to be terrifying because I mean, it's, so this, the German immigrants, they don't speak any English mm-hmm. and she comes there and she's handing over the food and they're just talking at her in German and she has no idea what they're saying. And she's, you can tell by her face, she's just freaking out. Like, you know, and there's, they're talking at her and something's wrong, but she doesn't know what. Mm-hmm. And I think watching this, this time, I just realized how terrifying that would have been. And then she gets sick instantly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Poor Beth. Yes. But also like that's that's one of the things about this family is they are very much shown to be on the decline. Yeah. But still constantly giving everything that they can spare. Yeah. To uh, people less fortunate to them. I think like you're first introduced to the mom after she's coming back from having been mm-hmm. volunteering, giving out food to the needy and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's like it's that kind of thing where um, they're shown to be just – yeah. Not not all saints, but but good people. Whatever you these, have, you can yeah. spare some of it for somebody who has even less. Yes. Yeah, which is a philosophy that I like and aspire to. Yeah. I don't live up to that. But no, no, you don't. I don't want scarlet fever. Yeah. But, um, okay, so Meg. Yeah, I, yeah. I like I said, I aspire to being Joe. I think I'm really a Meg because I like nice things, uh, you know, like – Meg, um, Amy is going to school and she says, oh, I don't have any limes. Limes are the trend and I need to, you know, pay back, you know, buy other people limes because I, I, you know, yeah. And Meg says, oh, I know what it is to go without luxuries. Here you go. Mm -hmm. I get that. And I I find myself doing that, honestly, in my parenting (laughs) because we had no, no, none of that stuff when I was Mm -hmm. growing up. Not really because there wasn't the money for it, but because that was frivolous. Yeah. And why would you spend money on that? Totally. Um, so now I find myself like, oh, is this trendy? Will this make you popular? Okay, sure. Let's put yes. down the money for Son, it. Son, do you want this thing? Yes. 
that that will make you popular that that other people will like you for even though that's a dumb reason for them to like you well let's pay for it you know like i i have Sold. to yeah i'm as he gets older i'm gonna have to scale that back but, yes you are quite a bit but i relate to bit. meg in that moment yeah yeah i mean yeah meg is the least interesting character in in this thing and yeah she is she's the yeah. probably she's the one that that like makes the least progress as far as like it, yeah. anyone you know breaking down any barriers or changing any expectations of women or she is just kind of like she marries some random suitor that he's a prude i don't like mr brooke yeah he's, i can't like, i don't get the appeal at all i can't really tell whether this is eric stoltz yeah yeah um yeah i can't tell like there's some is is she she he's not wealthy so she's not marrying him for money no but also they're never really shown to be like in passionate love other than they kiss a couple times and he steals her glove. Yeah. I don't, and I don't see the, I, I don't know. I, I don't see the appeal, but, but, but back then, you know, maybe like what, what else was she going to get? She didn't have suitors lining up for her, for her, like even despite trying at one point, you know, to go out on the town or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe she was just like, well, this is what I got. This is the best I can do. Well, so, you know, you, you say she made the least progress. I think, the flip side of you shouldn't have to choose between a work life and a family life is it's okay to choose the family life and to have a good, honest home and raise good children and raise them to be good people. I think some conservative commentators would say that feminism tells women you can't do that i don't think that's true true but i think there is i definitely felt like i was not living up to my full potential when i was staying at home taking care of our young mm. child and i had a plan to go back so that was you yeah know. yeah um and as it happened when he was in school and there was nothing for me to do during the day i was thoroughly depressed and i didn't enjoy life at all i don't like being a full-time housewife um full-time yeah. caregiver yes. is one thing but when they don't need care that's that's different yeah and that, yeah that doesn't surprise me i mean that's not you're not telling me new information right i know, um, I know. yeah because that's i think you're that's not gonna fulfill you but right but i i but at the time so this was a much more labor intensive running of a household yes um and she had twins i, I think the character Meg is she represents you can it is possible to be fulfilled by having a small life. Sure, yeah. You don't and, need to do big things. Right. Well and and it it she's the one when I say makes the least progress, I mean she's the one that seems like if I started you out at three mm -hmm. and you made it to three point two well, like, three, that's what I that's what I mean by three that. Like measuring she, what, she improves though. her she improves her situation by the least. Um, well, I I don't know how you're, I don't know what your measuring stick is. What are you I, measuring? I mean, like Joe follows her dreams to be a writer. Yeah. You know, Amy follows her dreams to be a painter. Well, or does she? At, at least then, then she follows her dream to marry well. Like, yeah, she, she follows her dream. Like as the oldest, it almost seems like Meg doesn't have any, even though the, the part of Beth's character arc is that she is satisfied to just be the one that never leaves home and, and isn't looking for adventure mm -hmm. meg is kind of like 
she's the one that she has a moment in the movie where she goes to a party and she's wearing a dress that she made and all of the socialite women are mm-hmm. like, no, 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 we're going to adopt you. And they make her up in a dress and she goes out and she pretends to be one of them for like, you know, half an yeah. evening. And before Lori well, calls her on it. And I don't think she behaves that badly. Like he's talking about how revealing her dresses. And I'm like, oh, it doesn't seem that bad, but I'm, uh, you know, well, I'm uh, looking at it from 2021. She didn't have standards. a lot to reveal, but, um, <laughs> oh, unnecessary I, I, I know that was, that was um but no no i just mean um yeah i think she she doesn't know what where she's going or what she wants and ends up settling is what it feels like i don't know i think early on you know amy says i want to marry a rich man mm-hmm. and meg says i would rather marry a poor man that i love and I think she does. I don't know why she loves him. Right. That's it's but, that's you know the classic show don't tell. Like I'm not convinced that it did. And again, yeah. it's a, it's a movie. They've got two hours sure. to do this. Yeah. It's maybe yeah. in the book. It's more explored. I don't know. Well, it is a little bit. And they go into this. There's a long section, and I my mom was remember this too, where they have a fight about how to discipline the children, and he's really kind of a prig, and I sure. don't, you know, and so there is more about their relationship, and so maybe it's more fully formed, yeah, and in the book. So maybe what I'm but, getting is just the the lack of the of the the surrounding information in the movie. I mean, she basically just feels like, yeah, like she feels like she starts at three and gets to like three point two, like yeah, she doesn't necessarily improve her life over. And when I say improve, I mean like follow her dreams or do the things she wanted to do or mm-hmm. do something um, that she I, – I, I guess I should say it doesn't seem like her character knows what she wants to do. So she ends up sort of just in this sort of – because again, if, you, if you're, if you're going to tell me that she married for love and not money, show me that she married for love and not money because well, it doesn't – I don't get that. Yeah. Because again, their their courtship is so awkward. Well, when one of One of the main aspects of him liking her is that – he steals her glove. Well, like, and the, then the Victorians were not big on passionate displays, but sure. she, she says he's kind and he shows, you know, he go, he takes their mother to DC to visit their father who's yeah, been wounded yeah, I mean, and all these, you know, like, I don't see the appeal, but he's not terrible. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, he's not terrible. I, yeah. Not at all. He is kind of a press though. I just. Sure. A little bit. Yeah. He's a little bit of a, yeah. Of a, but they both are big on propriety. So they've got yeah. that in common. No, I think they're probably a good match for each other. Yeah. yeah. And you can't, when you have a, a, a bunch of people in a, like everybody doesn't need to be, everybody doesn't need to knock it out of the park, you know, yeah. like to use a baseball analogy, like, you know, the third hitter is called the cleanup hitter because the other two guys were expected to get on base, not hit home runs. You know, like sometimes you, you got to have a character that just does the bare minimum and, you know, you got characters that are there to screw up. You've got characters that are there to be the heroes and the ones that people uh, relate to. And then you've got the characters that are just there to be average and do normal type, average type stuff. And that just what she ends up being is like the character that doesn't aspire to much and achieves exactly what she aspires to. Since I have identified myself as probably a Meg, I'm not taking this as a compliment. That's... <laughs> I, just, that's I don't like... What you're insinuating. I think you're a Meg in that you <laughs> you kind of just you took life as it came at you. Like you you wanted mm. you you fancied yourself the one that would go off and change the world. And yes. it's just like everybody does. Everybody's yeah. the Joe in their story yes. yeah. until they realize they're the Meg or the the Beth 
or whatever, you know, like you're always, you're always the hero in the story until, until you realize that you were a comic sidekick or whatever, you know? And I think when, when, if I say I'm the Meg, that's what I mean is that like, I came out of my, uh, childhood, I was going to change my name to Rick and be a scientist uh, by day and a rock star by night. And I ended up working in not changing my name and working in, in networking and well, like not, I'm not the, I, I didn't become the star of the show. Well, and I think you are far more satisfied with a Meg life oh, yeah. than I am. So I'm, loving I'm, the Meg life I'm a bit of a Meg Joe hybrid, yeah, I yeah. think. Well, and actually it's funny. So when yeah joe is um defending these kind of lurid uh it's like a pulp pulp fiction but the victorian era the movie. version right <laughs> um lots of murders and things yeah um she's defending this stuff that she's writing to friedrich and he, he says at one point it's well written yeah but it's just is this you and she's like well this is what, what you know yeah. I what, mean, yeah. yeah yeah it's what sells and i so currently i work in marketing and I write stuff that is not changing the world for anybody. And I'm kind of like, is this really like, I went to college for this. Is this real? <laughs> you know, I, I aspired to be a novelist and, uh, you know, we talked about all the president's men a couple of episodes ago. I thought I was going to be the next Woodward and Bernstein. Me, one person yep. was going to be the two people. Both of them. And now I'm doing this. And I was kind of like, Oh, I recognize that. She's just writing because she has this skill and it's, it's, I think, a little painful to sit down and open up the, the, the chest of your mind and mine all that for something that's much harder to write than mm. a lurid story about a serial killer. So, and I had not had that realization before. So I'm going to have to think on that. I'm not pretending that I have a little women inside me, <laughs> but... Like I said, everybody has some story to tell. Yeah. And, you know, is mine worth writing down? I, I don't I don't know. But in the meantime, I'm writing the 21st century version of stories about serial killers and daggers. Yes. Well, and I let me just say, <laughs> I think you have a story to tell. And I have tried to encourage that throughout you, the course of our you, relationship. You keep and but I, uh, hope, I hope that you will. You keep saying, though, you keep saying, oh, you're a great writer. You don't know that I'm. Because I don't write anything that you read. I think you have a story to tell. <laughs> and I hope that you will tell it one day. All right. Well, folks, if I do it while this podcast is still going, I'll tell you about it. <laughs> Maybe that'll be our, our next podcast is just I read the my work in progress. Yeah. Yes. That's... Because <laughs> that's exciting. That's... Yes. Well, is this, is this exciting? Is any of this exciting? <laughs> <sighs> who knows who yeah. knows but yeah. yeah no i think it's one of those things where um you have something that you're passionate about and then uh you realize the way to make money for with that is not necessarily the way you're passionate about it uh for instance uh i always th thought i would end up somewhere in the art field and then as i started to actually go to like post high school education for art type stuff i realized like the way that you make money at this is so boring and would end up with me hating it. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so, you know, it's, it's, there's a way to figure out how to make money with your passion, but it's almost not ever the way that is the most commercially viable. Like yeah. the way to make the most money 
reliably at writing is to write the boring stuff that needs to be written, but no one wants to do it. Now you can forego all that and take a huge chance and try to make it big with a passion project or something that really speaks. But that's a real risk. Like, especially when you're talking about writing, you're putting yourself out there. If if you want to write something that's truly meaningful, Mm -hmm. you're put, you put yourself out there and you open yourself up and there's every opportunity that people just go, eh, no thanks. Yeah. But then if you really love writing and you want to do it for a living, the other option is to write ad copy and you're just like, wow. And I know I'm not necessarily talking about you when I say this, I'm just saying apply that to anything. I've done more with my art in the years since I gave up on it. Um, even though I've never made any money at it really, um, I've done more to explore it and enjoy it since giving up on it as a career. Yeah. Well, we've talked to our 10 year old on and off about, um, the idea of how you pick, a job. And I have said, you know, sometimes you find a job that you really enjoy. Sometimes you find a job that you make money at. If you're really lucky, it's the same thing. Yeah. But some people, the job is just a job and the things that you really love, you do in your off time. Yeah. Um, so that's writing or painting or music or art or whatever. The problem I think comes in when you've got, you've got other obligations yeah. And you, you, yeah. When and you, that's, uh, yeah. Or as, you know, as Bernie said in the paper, a callback to, you know, you've got eight hours for work, eight hours for your family, eight hours for your house. Something's got to give. You know? Yeah. You can't do it all. True. And a lot of times you're the thing that you really love is what goes because you think I'll do that later. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred yeah. percent. You always think there's more time than realize yeah. suddenly that there's yeah. not. Anyway, we're getting way off track, but, um, I think that's that's what we got pretty, about Little Women. I think we've, we've I think we've done it all. Is there anything else that we need to need to say? I don't think so. I mean, I think this is the a, a movie that uh, I'm sure it speaks to women in a in a great way. Yeah. Um, Does and, it not speak to you? I mean, yes, but not on that unique sort of level. Like yeah. I enjoy it. Um, and I enjoy watching a lot of the character interact interactions and stuff. And I like seeing, uh, I like seeing characters that have certain expectations placed on them, uh, doing things that, that they enjoy. Like mm-hmm. when all of the stuff with them in the attic or whatever, when they're putting on plays and they're doing their, their fake newspaper, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, drawing mustaches on their faces and, and <laughs> yeah. some and using cats to play characters and plays and stuff yeah. like all that stuff is great. And I imagine that that could be really inspiring, uh, especially for young women be like, you know, Hey, like you have permission to be silly mm-hmm. and uh, that this sort of um, imaginary life is not off limits. I mean, yeah. more for the time period, especially, but, but even today, like, you know, th- this is, enjoy yourself, do the things you want to do. All these things that they were doing in their little, their little clubhouse, you know, would have been sort of, if anyone had heard about them, they would have been socially unacceptable at the time, but like, just do stuff that you enjoy and don't let, don't let all these, all these, uh, stereotypical things that you're expected to do because of your, your ethnicity or your gender or your, uh, social status hold you back. Like, you know, enjoy life and, have some fun. Mm-hmm. And I like the parts. Some of my favorite parts of this movie are the parts 
where they're showing that, where they're just showing them being like teenage girls mm -hmm. and having fun in a way that teenage girls at that time probably weren't allowed to have fun. Yeah, that's true. Because I think the prevailing view of young women, you know, even 12, 13, 14 was, well, you'll be a wife and a mother soon. So let's get you ready for that. Yeah. And there was not really a sense of a teenager. You were yeah. a child and then you were a woman and there was not a lot in between. So mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. I never thought about that. Exactly. But this kind of movie, unsurprisingly, makes me really wish I had a sister. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Or yeah. two daughters or, you know. Yeah. Something. Because there's something about sisterhood. But it's not to be. But anyway, so that's Little Women, folks. <laughs> we hope you're still with us. Hope you're still listening. I feel like we've unbur I've unburdened my soul a lot about a lot of things. I didn't yes. cry, though. I sobbed during parts of the movie. I did not cry while talking about it. But hey, listen, folks, we would love to know what you think about Little Women. Uh, do you have a favorite version do you like the 94 version as i do do you like the 2019 version which we weren't technically talking about but i certainly referred to a lot or do you like one of the earlier versions did you watch sisters and did you see the resemblance as i did let us know we would love to hear from you you can drop us a line at either gmail or twitter our handle is the same for both it's ysmy podcast ysmy for you show me yours we have new episodes every other wednesday so two weeks from today no matter when you're listening, there'll be a new episode. So check us out on your favorite podcast provider. We're on all the major ones as far as I know, uh, specifically uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, if you can rate, review, and subscribe, that would be fabulous. Makes us feel loved. I love to see that we've more people have listened to us. And if you just want us to let us know that you're there, drop us a line and say, hi, I'm here. I'm listening. Yes, she she would love to hear from you. That would be yes, I I do. I I I love when we have more more listeners. Um, so in two weeks, a uh, new show. Dave's going to be showing a movie to me. What are you showing to me, Dave? Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Which one is that? I have seen some of the Pee Wee movies, not all of them. There's only well, I guess technically there's three. Uh, it's the first one. The first one. Okay. It's tech. This is the one. This is before the te television show, oh, but okay. after Pee Wee. Well, obviously, it's after Pee Wee was a character. Yes. But yeah, so uh, yeah, late, mid 80s. Um, yeah, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, okay. directed by Tim Burton. Tim oh, Burton's first, first I movie. See. I see. Okay. First uh, feature feature length movie. Uh, yeah, awesome. And uh, we might even get the uh, the kid in here yeah. uh, if if I think he's he can survive Large Marge. I tried to tempt him to watch this one. I said, there's no, there's no explosions in it. It's not scary. There's maybe a little bit of kissing. And he was like, oh yeah, no, no, no thank you. No, no kissing. No yeah, kissing. And so, luckily since Pee Wee is just an adult child. Yes. He thinks uh, about kissing the same thing that our current 10 year old thinks about kissing, which is that yes. it's gross. Ew. Yeah. Anyway, so tune in two weeks for Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And that's it. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. The You Show Me Yours theme song is Uplifting Electronic Indie by Winnie the Moog from filmmusic.io. Sorry, I just babble. <laughs>